How y'all doing? Good. It's good. How are the rest of you doing? Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's good to see you this morning. It is my joy to be with you. I love every time Sunday comes because I know I get to see the people of Mount Pleasant Scottsdale campus. I get to say hello. I get to speak to you most of the time. We get to spend the time of worship. You know, we get to spend the time of just kind of letting emotions take us into worship of God. It's okay as long as our emotions take us to God, right? They don't, they don't lead us astray, but we do that. Um, we're going to start a new series today called Family. Um, if you're married or single or divorced or separated or an empty nester or whatever is going on in your life, we all have a family. You might have a biological family, and you might be adopted into a biological family. We have the family of God here in this space. We are children of God in the big family of God that has gone on for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, so this is for everybody. This series is literally for everybody. Um, don't miss it. We're going to be doing this for the next four weeks. We're going to be talking about family. We're also going to have that curriculum available in our small groups uh, to also study along with us as we talk about family for the next four weeks. It's an all-church study. The entire Charter Road Church is studying the same thing uh, through these next four weeks. Um, we just finished 13 weeks in 1 John, uh, a five-chapter book, and we spent 13 weeks on it, and we learned so much. And you know what? If we did it again, we'd learn some more. That's just the way the Word of God is. For family, for the next four weeks, we're going to study one chapter. One chapter in Joshua. Uh, we're going to look in Joshua. I, there's so much to learn, right? I, it's just every time we open the Word of God, our situation may have changed, our maturity may have changed, we may have gone through something, and it speaks different things to us. When we come back to the very same passages we may have read a hundred times before, um, I wonder what our lives would be like if we just spent, made a commitment and just said, first 10 minutes of every day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read God's Word. I don't mean get out all the study books and all that kind of stuff. That, that takes more time if you want to do that, and I encourage you to do that. But in the morning, the first 10, first 10 minutes, just open the Word of God in a quiet place and let it, let it soak into you. Just begin to get into that. Um, if you want, if you're going to try and do something like that, if you want ideas, I'd be happy to talk to you about how to get started doing that. If you haven't read the Bible before, it's, it's a big, thick, intimidating book. I get that. But I would just encourage you, the first 10 minutes to do that. We're studying family because I think the value of family has been diminished recently. I think just over the course of time, the way people look at family, the way people value family has changed. Uh, both our last name kind of family and our church family. Um, the percentage of people attending worship each week is the lowest in this nation in all history. Uh, there's just fewer and fewer people coming to be a part of the family of God. As far as the biological family, there were 800,000 divorces in 2017, a divorce rate of 47%. Um, there were 7 million dads absent from all of their minor children's lives. There were 17.4 million kids who grew up without a father. And it's not just being without a father, they've linked that to other stuff. 
And as I was looking at this, it's like there's a greater incidence of adolescent pregnancy in those homes. There's a lower education rate. There are higher suicide rates. There's greater participation in government programs of education and nutrition. And so in this series, we just felt like this is a good series to bring before us. We need to understand the value of family, the family that we're in and raising, and the family of God that we participate in here. We're going to look at a man, Joshua, and his God, who sought to lead his family in his home and the family of God. And we want to equip our church family and our home family to be healthy. So we're going to look at Joshua chapter 24. And if you want to turn to that, just in preparation, the context of this passage today, Joshua right now is the leader of Israel. And it's getting toward the end of his life. He lived 110 years, and it's getting toward the end of his life. He called all the leaders of Israel together for a meeting. All the, all the people who led for a meeting. And, and he's calling them in, in this, this chapter that we're going to look at. He's calling them to four things. He's calling them to look back at God's faithfulness. And then he's making later a call to worship, to faithfulness, and to servanthood. So we're going to look at those, and, and we're building up eventually to that very famous saying, which comes from this book, and you know, you may have a plaque of it in your house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's That comes in this, in this passage. Uh, not today, but it comes, and I'm getting ahead of myself, um, but we're going to look at that, and today we're looking at the book back at God's faithfulness part. So if you look at Joshua 24, verse 1, it says, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Now at Shechem, that's not just random. Okay, That's not just where they happened to be at the time. This is where the nation of Israel got started, right here at Shechem. In Genesis 12, 6 and 7, it says, Abram, now that's, that was Abraham's name before God changed it. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So it was here that, that God promised the promised land to Israel and gave birth to that nation. So this, this is the culmination of a promise made 600 years before. Joshua is going to remind the people of God's faithfulness and God's graciousness through all of those years. He's going to ask all these important people, he's, he's going to say, you know what, let's renew the covenant here today that, that Abraham made right here on this spot. Let's renew that covenant because it's holy ground. And in Joshua 24, verse 2, at the beginning, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. So at this point, Joshua is now the spokesman of God, and God will speak through Joshua. You will see God is going to refer to himself in first person singular, I, in the rest of this passage. So it's a pretty long passage, but let's read through it really quickly together and look how, how God calls them to think back. 
says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on him. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. So we're looking back at God's faithfulness to the nation Israel. In verses two to four, it's God's call to Abraham and the formation of the Israelite nation. In verses five to seven, it talks about Moses and Aaron and the people's experience in Egypt of slavery and then when he brought them out. In verses 8 to 10, it's Israel wandering in the, in the wilderness and God's protection through all of that time. And verses 11 to 13 is crossing the Jordan and conquest of the promised land. So this history is given to show God's sovereign power and grace through the history of this nation. Okay? Just look at all the eyes in here, all the things that God is telling them that he did. At the beginning of verse 3, I took your father Abraham. Middle of verse 3, I led him through Canaan. End of verse 3, I gave him Isaac. Beginning of verse 4, and to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. End of verse 4, I assigned the hill country. Verse 5, I sent Moses and Aaron. The end of verse 5, I afflicted the Egyptians. And it goes on and on and on, 21 times in this passage. God occurs in the first person, singular. The ultimate reason that Abraham came out of paganism and birthed a nation was God's sovereign, saving grace. That's why he came out. And by the way, that's also the only reason that you and I are here today. That's the only reason we're here today, that we have eternal life and we have forgiveness of sin is because of God's sovereign, saving grace grace. So we need to realize exactly what Joshua wants these leaders to realize. 
the real purpose of the passage, and really the entire Bible, it's an account of what God has done for them and for us. They wouldn't be in the promised land, except for God's graciousness on their behalf. We wouldn't know God, except for God's graciousness on our behalf. We need to realize what they are realizing. History is, is more, folks, than just thinking back and a recall. In the Bible, to remember in the Bible is to participate in that history. It's to really participate in it. Paul reminds the church of this in 1 Corinthians 10, that the Gentiles are connected to Moses and to the Hebrews that were delivered from slavery. So the history of Joshua 24 that we've just read is not just the history of Israel from the 15th to the 14th centuries. That's, that's not all it is. It's our history too. It is our history too. The Exodus is as much for our redemption as it was for them. The Exodus is as much for our redemption as the cross is for our redemption. We're here today because of that. It points, all points to what was to come. And I wonder, do you think of your life in that way? Do you think very often of how you're connected? Of how you're here today? Hebrews talks about it as being surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Right? We're not literally physically surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses, but all who have come before play into who we are and where we are right now. That's what it's about. All that you are, all that you have, all that you can hope for is because of God's commitment to you in Jesus Christ. This is important for us to get because we are like the Israelites. Joshua wants them to remember that everything they have and everything they own is from God. They won battle after battle, even against incredible odds. And it's tempting for them to look at that and say, look what we did. But that thought is always deadly. It's deadly to us, too. It's deadly to us when we snatch credit away from God. When we say, look what I did, instead of praise God for what he did through me. Because what does that lead to? That means when, 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 when people take credit like that, they turn away from God. That's just where they go. You, you have negated the need for God, basically, in doing that. And so you turn away from him. And that's why it's deadly. This is our challenge today. Today, we need to commit to building a grace-based family. Our home family, our God family. We need to build that grace-based family by looking at this stuff, by remembering this stuff. And so we're going to talk about how do we build a grace-based family. And the first way, obviously, from what we've just been doing, is to remember who you were. The first thing we have to do is remember who you were. If we look at uh, Joshua 24, 3, he says, But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and, laid, and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. Uh, who was Abraham anyway? He was an idolater. He was an idolater just like everyone else where he lived. He didn't belong to God. He didn't seek out God. God came looking for him. God came looking for him. And Joshua reminds them who Abraham was and that God initiated that relationship. God started it. He came to Abraham and he started it. Where were you before you knew Jesus? Where were you before you knew Jesus? We lived far away from God. 
But as John writes in the Gospel of John, first chapter, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Do you see that? He came to us. Jesus sought us out. It's basically a rescue mission because you and I, we weren't looking for Jesus when we were lost in sin. We weren't looking for Jesus. He came looking for us. He changed our hearts. We heard the good word from somewhere. Someone had the boldness and obedience to tell us about Jesus. And we could respond. Nobody would have predicted that Abraham was going to be a patriarch, a founding father of a nation. Nobody in his little town of Ur would ever think that he would belong to the family of God. It was a complete surprise, even to Abraham. <laughs> It was a complete surprise because it was the pure grace of God Almighty shown to him. It was God's mercy to an undeserving and an uninterested sinner. And it was a spiritual transformation inside him, performed on, on somebody who had no expectation or desire for it and contributed nothing to it. And the same is true for you and me. The unmerited and undeserved favor of God that famous, easily memorized verse, Romans 5 tells it. It's like, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So first point, remember who you were in Jesus. And then the second point, God's timing is perfect. We have to remember that God's timing is perfect. If we look at the 13th verse of Joshua 24, God says, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and you eat from vineyard, vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. It took 600 years for God's promise to be fulfilled. And according to Exodus uh, 12, Exodus 12, 40, they were in slavery for 430 years. So how many times during that period do you think the people wondered if God was ever going to Fulfill his promises. Did they wonder, where is God? What is he doing right now? It would be great, wouldn't it, if things happened quick? If things happened really, really fast? We would love that, according to our timetable. If all my afflictions or my, my illnesses came and went in a couple of days, if, if our prayers were answered immediately and just how we asked them to be instead of taking weeks or months or years, See, Joshua makes it clear that the life of faith is an endurance race. It's not a sprint. It's an endurance race. It's not a, it's a sprint. The, the life of faith, things come slowly. In the life of faith, things come slowly. There often is and must be a great deal of waiting. I don't know why, but that's how God works. I do know scripturally that when we're going through hardship and toil and trial, that builds perseverance in us, it builds character in us, it builds hope in us as we wait for the Lord. That's what, that's what happens. In fact, in the Bible, really, faith is almost like synonymous with waiting. Faith is shown in waiting. There's always waiting. And by God's grace, every promise is fulfilled in Jesus because his timing is perfect. <coughs> So remember who you were and remember that God's timing is perfect. And the third point, God's fighting for you. God's fighting for me. 
God is always fighting for us. Joshua 24, 11. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands, all kinds of sites. I gave them to you. Right? After 40 years of wandering, they finally crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land. But what did they find? Fortified cities and well-trained armies of seven nations saying, not yet, no, this is our land. But they marched and walls fell down and armies were routed, all because of the gracious, powerful hand of God fighting for them. We experience this today. We cross into various promised lands all the time, only to find that, that, that some obstacle pops up. Everything looks good for a minute, but then something happens. It could be an illness that we have to deal with. It could be infidelity. It could be the loss of a job. It could be addiction. I don't know what it might be, but it seems like stuff always comes up just when we think we've gotten to that good place. And it's tempting, really tempting. And Satan would love us to think, God, where are you? Where are you right now? I need you. And by the way, I need you now. You know, it's the waiting. But I need you now. When we read Hebrews 11, we see this too. Hebrews 11 has been called like the, the, the faith hall of fame. It just lists all these people in the Bible, men and women of the Bible who were faithful to God. And every time I read it, I tear up. I mean, I couldn't read it to you today without tearing up. It summarizes by saying the world wasn't worthy of them. And that breaks my heart. It's so true. It's so true. What they went through so we can sit here today. What they endured so we can sit here today. Mm. Well, we read Hebrews 11 and there's good things happening. They trusted God. They conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They obtained promises. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of flames. They escaped the sword. Their weakness turned to strength. They became powerful in battle. They routed foreign armies. And I'm reading this as like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what we want, right? We want victory. We want, we want to rout the enemy. We want to like persevere and come through and conquer and trumpet sounding and celebration. But we keep reading in Hebrews 11. They were tortured. They faced jeers and flogging. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went around in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And suddenly, I don't want this so much. Right? I mean, I don't want this so much anymore. But the Bible is relentlessly honest. The Bible is relentlessly honest. There will be blessings and there will be difficulties. By God's grace, we look forward to a future hope and a home, a place where, where the blessings there are going to make the blessings here just pale. In comparison, it's going to be where the greatest griefs are just wiped away. I have no idea what it's going to be like, but it sounds really, really good. So we have to remember the promise that God gave Israel through Joshua here. He said, so I gave them into your hands. So I gave them into your hands. And we know, remember, that God 
is fighting for us. God is fighting for you, and he's fighting for me. Looking back and remembering is hard. It really is hard. Sometimes we need something to remind us of what happened in the past to get through that. I mean, we've, it can be a song, it can be an object, it can be a, a picture. How many of you have ever like heard a song and you instantly remember the first time you heard that? You know right where you were, you know, you know right what you were doing, and that song brings it to mind. So we all know that God's been gracious to us. We know that. Sometimes it's easy to remember that, but sometimes it's almost impossible to remember that. When we're in the midst of it, when we're struggling, it's hard. It's just really hard to remember that. So in those impossible times, we need something to help us remember God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's promises. And at the beginning of Joshua, we didn't read this, but at the beginning of Joshua, people were getting ready to cross the Jordan into the promised land, and God told Joshua to gather 12 stones as a reminder of what God has done and build an altar with that. And many times in the Old Testament, we see that, don't we? Something will happen. There'll be a momentous occasion or something, a decision point on the land, and they will build an altar. They'll pile up some rocks. They'll even name it according to what happened there. So that when they, when other people walk by that, they know what happened. It's a testament to the faithfulness of God. And they build those altars. The old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I, we sang this last week. Um, probably should have sung it this week. But we sang it last week. That verse there says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here by thy great help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. We don't talk about Ebenezer as much in our culture. What was an Ebenezer? I, you know, um, in this case, it's a stone of help. It's a stone dedicated to the help of God in that instance. Because it says, here by thy great, great help I've come. It's a monument to God's help. So whenever the Israelites looked at that stone, they remember God's faithfulness and God's grace. No matter what's happening in the moment, we'll remember God's grace and we'll worship Him. That's the goal. We look back. We remember. We remember. It's not a fresh slate all the time. As we're waiting, we remember. As we're crying out to God, we remember. As we're in this dark place, we remember another dark place. And we remember God bringing us out of it. We remember. So on your way out of here today, maybe you've already picked one up. I don't know. if Maybe you thought you could throw them at me if you didn't like the sermon, but that's not the point. There's a table full of rocks back there, stones. They've been washed. <clears throat> and I'd like, as you leave this place today, after service is over, just pick one up. Pick one up. And we need to do with our families what Joshua did with the leaders of Israel here. Review your blessings. Think back as a family. Just say, hey, what do you remember about God's goodness to us in the past? And just sit there and like talk about that. Remember it. Um, and make a written record of that so you remember. For example, you can say to your kids, remember, remember when dad lost his job and we prayed to God and God gave him a new job? Write new job on your stone. 
or maybe you say to your teenagers or to anybody else and say, remember during the pandemic how we missed so many important milestones in your life, but how we trusted God and we made new milestones and we have new things of his faithfulness to remember. Write God's faithfulness on, on your stone. Remember when we got married and God brought us together and made us one right marriage on your stone. Remember how lost I was without Jesus and then he rescued me. Write salvation on your stone. So many things you could write on your stone. But write something on your stone that reminds you of a time where God was just so good to you in the past. And then, and then put it someplace you're going to see it a lot. You know, where you're going to pass by it an awful lot. Talk to other people about it. Talk to your family about it. Talk to your friends about it. And even pass this rock down to your kids' kids, you know, so that they can tell the story too. And you leave a legacy of faith to them. But build yourself an altar. God has done so many good things. And to our discredit, we sometimes just gloss right over that. You know, it just seems commonplace. It just seems like, yeah, yeah, this great thing happened. We don't give God credit, but look back and see the goodness of God. I want us to think back on God's goodness right now. We're going to bring this service to a close with another song. And as we sing this song, every last one of us in here can think back on the goodness of God and give him praise. The goodness of God and give him worship. There is never a reason to not worship God. He is God. He has done so much for us. The fact that we're even here today is reason to praise and worship God. So as we sing this, think back and praise God. And then as you leave today, take your stone and build an altar. Lord God, I thank you that there are so many things to choose from in your goodness that it's actually kind of hard to think of them and, and choose one because so often we have just written that off as regular life and just serendipitous things that just happen to occur. And, and God, I pray that you'll deliver us from that thinking. Help us to see, God, in all kinds of situations, in all kinds of times, your glorious good hand. And then, Lord, as we remember, help that to build our faith. Help that to be something that we can hold on to in these times of, of trial that might last a while and not waver and not succumb to the enemy whispering in our ears, where is your God? But instead, remembering God saying, I gave them to you. I fight for you. I am here. So Lord God, bring these things to our minds as we worship you.